Welcome to Harmony Christian Church Podcast. For more information about us, visit HarmonyChurchFamily.org. So uh, this morning, as I've been, been saying for now a few weeks, um, I'm really excited um, for Paul to come up here and begin sharing on worship. Um, worship, one, is, a, is an incredibly important topic. Um, that's why I felt like we needed to have a season where we talked about worship. And really getting back to the, not, not to, not to uh, quote the song, but to quote the song, get back to the heart of worship, what worship really is about. And um, so we've been talking about these past few weeks, um, but uh, as, as I was thinking about worship and, and doing this series, um, I knew in my spirit that we had to hear from our worship pastor. Um, not just because he holds that title, but because he has a lifetime of experience in worship and leading worship and participating in worship. And um, I know for me personally, uh, I grew up uh, going to the church he led worship at. And so from since I've been a toddler, uh, Paul has led me into worship. And, uh, and so it's, it's just very special uh, that we get to hear from him this morning. And uh, he has so much wisdom, uh, so much anointing uh, on this topic of worship. Um, and I, I really think today is going to be a game changer for a lot of us uh, in worship and in how we view worship and how we approach worship. And so, Paul, would you go ahead and come on up and share with us what the Lord's given you? No pressure. <laughs> I want to first share that with what, what's on my heart this morning probably a combination of just sharing my personal testimony a little bit my journey so that you understand a little bit of how have I got to where I'm at today so some of it is just going to be sharing some of it may be a little bit preachy some of it may be teaching the first thing I want to say is that everything that Josh said in the last two weeks amen okay I'm in full agreement with everything that Josh had to share the last couple of weeks. But as I stand here this morning and I look out over this congregation, you know, there's some of you that are fairly new in the life of the church here. And so you probably put the pieces together, but Amber is uh, one of Pam and I's three daughters. So Josh is one of our son-in-laws. Pam and I are blessed. <clears throat> Pam and I are so blessed because um, they have committed their life to full-time ministry. Our youngest daughter, Danielle, and her husband, which her husband is Jeff and Jenny Barber's nephew, um, they're in full-time ministry. My oldest daughter is a special ed teacher down in uh, the east side of Indianapolis, and her husband uh, has a strong passion and love for the Lord alongside her. He works as a student resource officer in a junior high. And so, Pam and I see ourselves so blessed because all our kids, even though Jess and Terrence may not be officially in full-time ministry, they are pursuing a, 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 an occupation where they are depositing and investing into people's lives in a positive way. And so, um, with Josh's words, it's kind of humbling because... Um, it's a whole lot easier for me to just lead in worship than just to share because uh, sometimes I may just end up all over the place this morning, okay? I've got an outline, but typically whenever I share, I usually don't stick real close to it, okay? Uh, it's just got some points for me to think about. But, you know, years ago, as we were involved in a church over in Tipton County, coming from Madison Grant, class of 1981, I always thought how cool it would be to have an opportunity to be involved in worship and leading people into God's presence in my old stomping ground. Never knowing what my journey was going to be that we would end up back here. Okay, so if you hear me kind of do this, you know, they say real men don't cry. That's not true. Pastor Ron is a real man and he cries all the time. <laughs> so that is my out this morning. Okay, 
Remember, who created our emotions? So, you know, it's okay for real men to be angry, but for some reason, real men can't cry. There's no validity to that, okay? Because part of it is just the passion. I grew up on the farm. I started singing with the box radio on the fender of the 4020. Then we upgraded to the 4430 with a cab, okay? I thought I went to heaven, okay? <laughs> Those of you that drive red tractors, you still haven't got there yet, okay? <laughs> yeah, because I've got the mic, okay? But nevertheless, I spent a lot of hours in the tractor singing. And then when I was in high school, a friend of mine, Doug Turner, that I graduated with, invited me to audition for the Our Guys and Gals show choir there at Madison Grant. So my junior, senior year, I was in high school. Uh, I was in Our Guys and Gals. I was also involved in agriculture classes in FFA. Uh, I ended up participating in the uh, state FFA choir, was asked to do a solo there for the convention, and then I was encouraged to audition for the national FFA choir, and so went out to Kansas City and spent about five days out there with the national FFA choir, and it was an awesome experience. I spent all that time with the band and the singers of that FFA organization. I was out away from home, you know, with a bunch of other people that I didn't know when I first walked in. And so then in 1982, there was a group called Continental Singers that came up to do a concert in Marion, Indiana, at a friend's church up there. And it was a bunch of uh, young adults. And so afterwards, they offered people that was in the congregation that might be interested in doing something like that to come up and do an audition. Just, you know, come up beside the piano, sing a little bit just to see. So I did, and they encouraged me to audition. So I did. I was accepted. There was about 600 positions to be filled because there were groups of 25 to 40 that would all congregate and meet in California. They would learn the music together and they took off and they hit the bus. And we did concerts every night in churches. And we would stay in the homes of the people from those churches. They would provide us places to sleep, an opportunity to do our laundry, they would fix us breakfast, they would pack us a sack lunch, and they'd get us back to the church the next morning. We'd jump on the bus and we'd go to the next church and do a concert that night. We did that for 10 weeks. I tell you, the first few nights I did it, I was terrified because I'd watched too many TV shows where I saw all these serial killers and I had no idea what kind of accommodations I was gonna find myself in. <laughs> But the good news is the first couple nights, there were the people that I put, there was usually two or three of us that would stay at these homes. And this, the first couple nights, the people that I stayed with were people that had done it before. So everything was cool. But you know, I grew up in church. Ann Runyon, she was my first accompanist. Uh, some of you may remember the old Dallas home song, Rise Again. Go ahead, drive the nails in my hands. And the chorus is, and I'll rise again. Okay played that song for me a bunch of times over the early years. But nevertheless, I went on this, um, this summer. I was on the road traveling for 10 weeks, doing concerts every night from California to New York City. We jumped on the plane. We flew over to Rome, and we spent four days, five days in Rome, touring around during the day, doing concerts at night. Then we jumped on the plane, and we flew over to Israel, and we spent a week in Israel. We would tour around all day long. And then we'd do concerts during the night. And I'll never forget, you know, we'd been several days touring through. And toward the last, we ended up at the Garden Tomb. To hear all these supposed places where everything supposedly happened. A volunteer Methodist pastor was there and he said, you've heard all these supposed. He said, this is the supposed place, but one thing we do know is Jesus did rise from the grave. And we had something to celebrate. And so we sat there, and I started singing, rise again. Folks, that summer changed my life. Because I grew up on a farm. I was planning to farm. I grew up in church. We would sing songs, but I was just kind of going through the motions. But that summer, every, every evening before our concert, we would pull off as a group into a room, about 40 of us, and we would just pray, and we would just sing, and we'd sing songs. But it's like, man, something came alive. And there was meaning to those songs. Something was changing. And I came home that summer 
knowing that I wasn't going to farm. Because I knew I had a strong enough music background that God was going to use music in a much stronger way. And so I came home and I said, okay, God, I want a place where I can be involved in agriculture. I can work with people. I can be inside and I can be outside. But I know I'm not going to farm. All that culminated to where I ended up working at Bex Hybrids for about three and a half years in the 80s. In the middle of that, Pam and I got married and we moved down here by Tipton and we started going to a church in Tipton County. And I got involved in music ministry. And the Lord was just doing things in me because I'm, part of my responsibility at Bex is I was on the road driving and just doing a bunch of sales-oriented stuff. But I'd be in that truck singing these songs that we were doing at church on Sunday morning or Sunday night. And I'll tell you folks, sometimes most of the holiest places and experience I've ever had was sitting in a truck behind a steering wheel. Because as long as you keep it between the lines, you're okay. Okay? And, you know, a few weeks ago, uh, Josh was preaching and he was telling people, you know, let me know if you've had those experiences where God spoke to you, you know, send those testimonies in. And he was reading some of those testimonies. And if you recall, one of the things that I remember hearing him say was he said over half of the testimonies that he received of when God was speaking to people was during worship. Now, that's not to minimize any other event, element, or time frame just because I'm the worship leader, okay? That's not what I'm saying. My point is, when you focus intently on worship, giving God, God glory and honor, it demands that you be in a position of humility and surrender, okay? If you're not in that position of humility and surrender, it's not as easy to hear what God is speaking. Okay? As I was working at Bex and I was doing all that, God was just speaking some things to me and I was dealing with, you know, what am I supposed to do? I was involved in worship at the church. Things were happening. I was in worship on Sunday nights and I was developing a love for it and a passion because God was using my musical gift to make an impact, to make a difference in the lives of people in the congregation for them to experience God's presence. And I was coming down 15, State Road 15 out of Warsaw one day. I was singing, just worshiping, and it was, the, the cab was just, man, it was just incredible. And I would just say, Lord, what, what am I supposed to do? And it wasn't audible, but it might as well have been. He said, go to ORU. ORU is Oral Roberts University. And it's just like, yeah, but I'm married. I've got a daughter. We've got a trailer. We've got a car payment. And by the time I got to Silver Lake, he had showed me how to fix all that. Because I said, God, I'm not going to go out there debt-free er, without being debt-free. So put the application in. They accepted our application and went out there. I was only out at ORU for a year because I was married and had a little child. It was not easy. But I learned so many of the basics for me to be able to do what I've done for the last 30 years. But again, every time I got in an environment of, of worship, where those songs, the music, the, not just the music, but the message had an impact. It was changing my life. And it was stirring me in ways that I never had happened before. Because listen, what we do up here on Sunday morning, leading worship, it's not about us. Okay? What we do up here, it's about you. We have a lot of people in this congregation that are really good at child care, helping in the nursery. We have people that are just passionate, love to teach our kids. They love to teach the adult classes. You know, Dan Tate and others come in here every Saturday or Sunday and they set up all these chairs. They serve. We have people that greet people so warmly at the door. Those are all what we call helps ministries. Okay, there's ministries that help in the function of the church. Those of us on this platform just happen to be the most visible helps ministry. That's all we are. 
We are a helps ministry that are using the musical gifting that God put in us to help create an atmosphere for you to be able to worship. Now, Josh talked in the last couple of weeks about how worship isn't just 20, 30 minutes during Sunday morning service. But it is one of the worship experiences you can have because your worship is being one of those greeters. Your worship is being one of those uh, nursery workers or teachers or helping to set up or helping to run the kitchen. If that's a gifting that you are good at and that you love, it's worship. When you're living out a godly example before your coworkers, before your neighbors, when you're sharing words to encourage them, that's worship. The word worship is actually worthship. Okay? You give honor and glory to him because he is worthy. He is worth it. Okay? So when we come together here, we use these tools as instruments. We use these tools as voices to create an atmosphere for you to worship. Okay? Because the week can be pretty crazy, okay? How many of you remember, there's too many newfangled things nowadays, but how many of you remember your mom or your grandma using one of these to do dishes at the kitchen sink? This is a sponge, okay? It's kind of hard. It's dry. I've shared this analogy with some of you. That's what our life can be like during the week. By the time we get here on Sunday morning, we feel like we're dried up. We've been beat against because the reason that it's hard is because over time it's absorbed all the impurities from whatever they've been, it's been experiencing and going through. Okay, when you're going through and doing dishes, there's particles of all that ends up in that sponge. And over time, when it dries, it becomes hard because when you buy it new out of the package, it's nice and soft and formidable, right? When we come into church, on Sunday morning, and we feel kind of beat up and dried out, and everything that we've been going through during the week has gotten stuck into this dry sponge. The Holy Spirit is referred to as water, but we stand up underneath here, we begin to give praise to God and acknowledge of who He is and what He's done for us, and how much we should be thankful and appreciative and blessed for what He's done on our behalf. That's that Holy Spirit water begin to hit this sponge. When that water hits that sponge long enough, at some point, there's going to be a tender spot. There's going to be something that's going to touch that sponge at just the right moment, at just the right location, and it's going to penetrate. And before long, that whole sponge gets soft and it's pliable and it's absorbing all that's coming at it. This is worship. When you come in with all the stuff from the week and you begin to worship and bring glory and honor to the Lord, at some point, you do that long enough, it's going to sink in and it's going to build you up. We just got finished with the Olympics. How many times do you see stories about <clears throat> Olympians and whatever their thing is that they do before they compete? Whether they listen to music, you know, they're doing their stretching exercises, but they're listening to music, you know, maybe they're calling, talking to mom, you know, they've got this thing that they do every time before they compete because they're working at psyching themselves up. <laughs> King David said, in, chat, in uh, Psalms 103, it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. What do you think that is? He said, Bless the Lord, O my soul. He was working at stirring himself up because he knew he needed to stir himself up. He did it before. Before he attacked Goliath, what did he do? He reaccounted the victory he had when he was out in the pasture as a shepherd and how he overcame the lion and the bear. And he recounted and built his faith through stirring himself and reminding him the victories of the past that he knew he could overcome Goliath because God had given him the ability to overcome the lion and the bear in the past. But in all those cases, 
he was stirring himself up. He was stirring his faith. Okay, that's what praise and worship does. King Jehoshaphat, the Ammonites and the Moabites, yeah, I'm, I'm totally off on my sequence, but King Jehoshaphat had the Ammonites and the Moabites that were getting ready to attack. And they fasted and they prayed and they came together as the people of God, seeking God on what to do. <clears throat> and it said, after, this is Second Chronicles 20, it says, After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out ahead of the army. Okay? They went out ahead of the army saying, Give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. As they begin to sing and praise, the Lord sent ambushments against the men of Ammon and Moab in Mount Seir, who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. The Ammonites and Moabites rose up against the men from Mount Seir to destroy and annihilate them. After they finished slaughtering the men from Seir, they helped to destroy one another. You see the victory there that God won for the people of God it was through praise think about it with me you have an army of men who are getting ready to go into battle I'm guessing they have shields and they either have a spear or they have a sword they have physical armor that they're getting ready to fight and all of a sudden you have the singers and prayers, praisers and King Jehoshaphat comes to them and said hey I want you to go out and sing in front of the army. Think about it. If I was one of those guys, I would say, you want us to do what? <laughs> They're the ones with the armor. They're the ones with the spears and the swords. And you want us to go out and be the tip of the spear and sing? That demonstrates the power of godly praise. Because the power that is in your praise, as you give glory and honor to God for him to realize that as you declare the goodness of God, and you do it with sincerity, you're not just lip service, okay? Because these guys, the Bible says, they were singing, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. These people were singing it because their life depended on it. Okay? They were in front of the army. Their life depended on it. When we come together as a congregation, we have the opportunity to come together and to love on one another and to encourage one another. The first time Pam and I ever visited here, when we left here, we looked at each other and we knew this is where our new home was going to be after the first visit. Part of it was because <laughs> we knew Ron and Jackie. Ron and Jackie were at Pam and I's wedding. Pam used to babysit for Brittany and Brock. We have a long history. Jeff and Jenny have been longtime friends. We used to go to church together. We knew, they knew we were coming, and, and we came and we left because knowing that God had given me an ability for, in music that, you know, wherever we went, we knew that that was going to be a part of it. But when we left, we just knew that this was where God had settled us. And I counted back, and there were 25 couples in the church that morning that I either knew the husband or the wife or both. People that I've known my whole life, like Jack and Rose Farley from when we were little, I was a little bitty kid. Van and Linda Hasty that lived right down the road from my grandmother's house. You know, when I was a kid as a little farm boy, Van Hasty was my hero. He was the first farmer in the neighborhood that had a 16 row planter. <laughs> and he was the first one that drove down, through the, down, down the road with a John Deere 8820 with an eight row corn head. Okay, he was my hero. But uh, there's so many people that I've known, so many of them that are classmates, okay? 
Della and Joe have been with us here at Harmony for uh, a few years now. I met Della the same night I met Pam at Quaker Haven Church Camp. They were in cahoots with their church at a weekend outing, and they'd all found out that our youth group was coming up, and we were all guys, and they were all girls, and they decided they wanted to have their own cabin, and they just happened to know where our cabin was going to be. <laughs> that is the truth, okay? But anyway, so I've known Della for a long time, okay? Um, there's several other people in here that I could go on and on, but, uh, but nevertheless, there's a lot of connections. But being back into the local community, when I came here, I knew that God wanted to do something. And to look back and realize that it's been almost 11 years since we've been here, I just want to say thank you for the way that you all have welcomed Pam and I and our families and how Josh and Amber, how God just worked it all out. You know, it's pretty amazing. Praise and worship, not only is it powerful, powerful, but it's relational. God is a God of relationships. You know, I've shared, you know, people that I know. There's several others. You know, I've known Elizabeth Harner since she was born. Our parents used to run around together. Um, it just can kind of go on and on, okay? We are built and created as being relationship people. That's because the God we serve is a relationship God, okay? He desires our worship because he wants that relationship. But the thing I want you to understand, worship of him, is it about him? Yes, it's all about worshiping him. But it's not for the purpose of him. He knows that if we truly worship him in spirit, in truth, he knows that when that happens, Pride is going to fall. Humility will rise up. Stubbornness will fall and surrender will step in. So he realizes that you worshiping him isn't because he's insecure and he needs it because he's going to start feeling uncomfortable and unsettled. Okay? He doesn't need it. But he knows our worship of him and how it will impact, how it will change us. Okay? Josh used this scripture, but I want to use it again. John 4, 24, and, or 23 and 24. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the, are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit. His worshipers must worship in spirit and truth. So coming in on Sunday morning, it isn't just about singing songs just because singing songs. Okay, and I know there's a lot of preferences as far as styles of, of music or styles of worship, or you know, some people don't like music. Seems odd to me, but that's okay. Some people love music. I have had some people that say, you know, I could take or leave music, I could take or leave worship, it's just not my thing. Okay, but I've had other people said, we could worship all service and not even have a sermon. You know, we're all over the place, and that's okay. We're all created differently. But my point is, pay attention to the message in the song and let it take a hold of you and change your life. Because I used to just sing songs because you just sing songs. But that summer that I was gone, I was hypersensitive to the things of the Lord because when I left that summer, I said, God, do something in me and stir me up. Change my life because I feel like I'm just kind of dry. And, he, you know, I guess in the background, he said, okay, here it comes. But we got in those evenings of just sitting and singing and praying and worshiping. And I see other people because there was no denominational connection. We were all over the place on our denomination and in our theology. It was an interdenominational, whatever you want to call it. But I saw my other teammates just worshiping and they were just singing. And it's like those words are grabbing a hold of them. 
And I saw the result of it, and it piqued my interest, and I began to pursue it and realized, wow, something's changing. I remember years ago, our oldest daughter, she got her license, started running around, jumped in the car one time, and she had a radio station on that wasn't Christian music. Not that they are never allowed to listen to Christian music, but we played a lot of Christian music and praise and worship in our house. And I remember one time when Amber and Danielle, my youngest and plus Amber, came and said, Dad, Jessica's playing other songs. I said, that's okay. And I jumped in the car and she had it and she was playing it. It was a song that I actually knew because I used to listen to those songs. And uh, she said, sorry, I'll change the channel. I said, no, it's okay. That's a good song. I, I like that one. And she kind of looked at me funny. <clears throat> I said, but listen to the message. What's the song saying? What's the song talking about? And it wasn't for long before she started listening to a lot more Christian music because she started paying attention to the message. Okay? <clears throat> Husbands. We're not too good at communicating our feelings to our wives. Okay, we could always do better. Seems like women are a lot more in touch with their feelings than we are. And we struggle, right? Thank the Lord for Hallmark. <clears throat> my father-in-law, so Buzz and Donna are Pam's parents. Those, they are my in-laws for those of you that may not know. <clears throat> my father-in-law is frugal. They'll go to the card section. He'll pull out a card that he likes, hands it to Donna, have her read it, and then he'll put it back. <laughs> the, the price, yeah, true story. The price of those cards are so much so that I've contemplated doing the same thing, okay? But you all know what I'm talking about. What do you say to your wife without maybe slipping up and really just making a mess of things, and then she's mad at you for the next several nights because you said something wrong and she's upset? Not that it ever happens at our house. Right, honey? <laughs> Those Hallmark cards, you have people that know how to write something in there that is really good. But it didn't just spew out of their mouth. They thought about it. And they refined it. They revised it. Okay? But how many of you, you go through and you read through that card and you're thinking, no, that's not good. No, that's not good. You open it and it's like, that's funny, but I can't give her that one. But you find the one, you find the one that really communicates the message that you want to share with your bride, right? That's what these songs are today. They're new songs. I know they're not old songs, but they're new songs. They're fresh words. It's messages out of a time of intimacy or it's a message that had something to do with a certain moment in time. When I left Bex, went to college, came back, I actually drove for Hartson Kennedy out of Marion. You've seen their trucks up and down the highway. I drove for them for 12 years, and I was also a worship leader 11 out of those 12 years. Now, a lot of people would say that's a really weird combination to be a truck driver and a worship leader, okay? with the persona that most people have in their mind about truck drivers. That seems like just the opposite end of the spectrum, okay? Because most people think truck drivers are rednecks, okay? You all know what I'm thinking and you know what I'm talking about, okay? But it's a great combination because as long as I can keep it between the wheels, or keep the wheels between the lines, <laughs> I can focus on other stuff. I listen to, I listen to music for hours on end. I listened and put song lists together forever, for years. I wrote a lot of songs because there would be times where I'd just be on the road driving for hours going somewhere, and I'm just thinking about the things of the Lord and the musical gifting that he gave me. Just things would happen. 95.5, country station in Indianapolis. They have really good traffic reports. They have for decades. I was leaving early one morning out of Marion. I came down to Indianapolis and I was coming down the east side to get on 70 to shoot across because I was heading towards Terre Haute. So I had FMS lifts on because I was listening to find out if there was any traffic problem.
when I did, the intro of this country song came on. I thought, dang, that sounds like a really good intro for a worship song. Josh used this message or this uh, scripture last Sunday. Psalm 27. I'm going to read quite a bit of it here real quick. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Stirring his faith. The Lord is a stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advanced against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. The war break out against me, even then will I be confident. Listen, one thing I ask from the Lord. This only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek Him in His temple. What's He talking about there? He's talking about His presence. I'm not one of those people that chase after celebrities to get an autograph or get a picture of them because I feel like I've had the opportunity not to just tangible touch, but to experience God's presence in such a way. It's like, what celebrity's got anything up on that? Okay? There have been times, folks, when I was driving a truck, I had sunglasses on, I get to the next stop, and I kept the sunglasses on. Because what I just experienced in that truck cab was so intense. It's so wonderful that I had tears flowing down my face and I didn't want to get off and get out and take my sunglasses off because it was going to be pretty obvious. I've been known to get to a place where I need to make a stop and I just kind of drove around the square for a while because I knew once I got out of that truck cab and I experienced whatever I experienced and get back in, it wasn't going to be the same. And I didn't want to stop or I didn't want that experience, that atmosphere, that environment to end. Okay. Verse 4. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek Him in His temple. Verse 5. For in the day of trouble, He will keep me safe in His dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of His sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. So, I was thinking about verse, 12, verse 4. And I heard this intro to this country song. I turned off of 465 on the 70 through town. By the time he got to the airport, that song was done. Because the Lord just, just deposited. Why do I remember it so well? You know, we're just talking and having to deal with the pain and the agony of 9-11. We all know where we were at. Because when those things of significance in your life happen, all the other surroundings around you are like, a fresh photo or a video. That helps you to understand how much of an impact that experience for me was that I remember it so vividly. Okay? That's the power of music. That's the power of worship. So many of the Psalms are words put to music. How many of us grew up 
with nursery rhymes. We learned our ABCs. <laughs> I was thinking about this. When Amber was a little kid, she was in school and she had a spelling test. And she was struggling because she was having a hard time remembering how to spell Saturday. Remember this one? What? Oh, she said, that's right, we were at Shoe Carnival. See what I mean? <laughs> she was having a hard time trying to remember how to spell Saturday. How many of you remember the song from Bay City Rollers? Saturday night? S-A-T-U-R-D-A-Y, night. Okay? I taught Amber that song. She blew that Saturday away in our spelling test. Because there was rhythm and rhyme. We come together in a setting like this, there's messages in these songs that have rhythm and rhyme that help you. I have been blessed over the years because I've had several of you that have approached me, either a text or the next Sunday or whatever, and said, man, that's such and such song that we did last Sunday. I've been singing it all week. Because that song resonated. There was a message in that song that was stirring you and that was bring, God was bringing it to remembrance throughout the week because he was wanting to say and do something in you through the message in that song, okay? There's several of you over the years that have come to me and, you know, said, hey, I heard this song the other day. Man, it's a really good song. My position on that is I am open at any point and somebody wants to suggest a song as long as you don't get offended if I don't use it. Because it's important that you all understand when I'm putting a song list together, I don't have a list of 20 song lists on a file that I finger through and pull out which one we're going to do next service. These song lists that I put together is like when Pastor Ron and, and Pastor Josh are putting a sermon together. When I get ready to put a song list, my first question always to God is, Lord, what do you want to say? What are you wanting to do for this service? What songs have the message that's going to help our congregation experience the atmosphere and the focus of a message that's going to do the best to prepare us for what you want to say and do? Because the times of yesteryear where you come in and do two or three songs you know, before the message comes, that ended several years ago. Praise and worship is part of the whole Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night, whenever people come together. The music, the worship, and the message and the ministry is all like a tapestry that's beautifully woven together to create the end result of whatever it is that God wants to say and do when the service is over. Okay? So, um, I don't remember what the title of it was. More Than Amazing that we did this morning. That was one that, uh, that Tammy, she approached me one Sunday. She said, hey. She said, have you heard that song? And I said, yeah. She goes, man, I just really like that song. And it's like, I'd heard it, but I hadn't really zeroed in on it. You know, I'm talking about Tammy Cornelius. And so I started listening to it. You know, I use those things. Um, Linda Floyd calls Oh Praise the Name that we do a lot that Bob sings lead on. She calls that our harmony song. Every now and then she goes, when are we going to do our harmony song again? <laughs> she was prodding me about that a few weeks ago. So then I'm thinking, okay, Lord, are you trying to speak? Is that something we need to do soon? Okay. My point is, I listen. I hear. But I hope you understand, ultimately, it's God... What do you want to do? What song? What songs do we do? Sometimes it's the first song that I build the rest of it around. Sometimes it's one in the middle. Sometimes it's the one in the end. If you guys, you guys probably don't notice because you don't pick up on it as much as I do. But how many times we do a song in praise and worship and it's part of the scriptural text that's part of one of the points of a sermon? We don't talk before to find out, you know, what you're preaching. You know, what song do you want me to do? Those kind of things, those are God things. What it does for me as a worship leader, it helps to confirm that, okay, 
I'm hearing the right voice because that fit. You know, I'm hearing the right voice because it worked. But not all of us, maybe, maybe understand the power that that music has in stirring our Christian walk. Because when we come together in an environment to worship, it's about you. Next Sunday morning, when you come in here, I want you to imagine that there's a microphone hanging right here. It's dropping down right here. Okay? It's not an audio mic. It's a heart mic. We are assigned the responsibility to create an atmosphere for you to worship and experience God's presence. We're a helps ministry. We're using the gifts and the tools that God gave us to create that environment. God's got a heart mic out here, and he's thinking, okay, where's your heart? Some of you are saying yes and amen, and some of you are saying, ouch. This, this up here, it's all about you. Now, maybe you don't like that particular song. I get that. Maybe you don't like that particular style. I understand. How many of you believe that prayer changes things? I won't ask for hands, but I want you to just answer this question in your mind. How many of you pray regularly for your pastors? How many of you pray for your worship leader? I want the songs to be the right song. I want the songs to have the right message. I want the songs to have the significance that helps create an environment for you to draw the most out of your experience here of a morning. Whether it's in the music, in the worship, in the, in the message, or preparing your heart so that your, your sponge of your heart is nice and soft and pliable. So I want those songs to be the right ones. Pray for your worship leader. If you don't like the songs that the worship leader is using, pray for your worship leader. Okay? Prayer changes things. He's going to change one thing or another. Okay? But ultimately, the goal is we create an atmosphere for the congregation to worship. And God is listening to our hearts as a body. But he's listening to your heart as an individual. Where is your heart at during that moment? Okay. So, with all that being said, let me make sure I didn't miss one significant. I think we're good. Amber said during announcements that um, kids are supposed to be picked up. Because I had no idea when the service was ending, I kind of took that personal. <laughs> we sang this song a little bit this morning, but I want you to sing it again now that you've heard just some of the things that I've shared this morning and see if it makes a difference on how you sing it and the significance of the message in the lyrics. Mm -hmm. 